My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. So today in the sound booth, we're going to tackle a very interesting topic as it relates to employee experience and employee engagement. And here to discuss this topic with me is my guest, Anthony Vaughn. Now, this is the first time I have ever interviewed a fellow podcaster. And I must say, I am a little bit nervous. Um, to, <laughs> I am a little bit nervous to do this one, um, considering Anthony's background and his ability to wow on his show. But I want to thank you for taking the time to join me today in the sound booth. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. It's, it's a beautiful day here in Maryland. It's probably, uh, probably about 70 degrees. Wow. Breezy. Um, that's, that's my ideal, uh, that's my ideal weather. So it's, it's, it's perfect here and it's mother's day. Yes. So it's a great oh, day. Oh, happy mother's day as well. Thank you very much. It is a great day all around, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So Anthony, the first question I love to ask my guests, tell me your story. How did you get into human resources? We are curious. Yeah, so it's a long one, so I'll try to I'll try to condense it. Um, you know, as I've been listening and to a lot of different podcasts and and actually bringing on a lot of different um, HR leaders on my own podcast, I've mm-hmm. I've learned that a lot of people actually come from um, outside departments and, and and eventually kind of fall into to HR. Exactly. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I I thought when I first jumped in that there were people that were more traditional from that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems as though like now you're starting to see universities kind of have these HR tracks. I guess, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, there wasn't as many tracks along this, this, this path. So, um, so I'm again, another person that kind of stumbled into this. So I'll give you the, the short story long. Um, the, the way that I try to describe it is I started, I started two brands, uh, at an early age, um, both brands had a lot of success. Both brands had a lot of failures. and both brands, I learned a lot. Uh, but with one particular brand, um, I had uh, an employee at the time who was very talented, very well-known in his industry, very connected. And he was the sole reason of why we had the majority of our contracts and the, and the majority of the reputation and the, and the majority of the brand that we were able to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Um, he approached me one day and said, I would like to be a partner. I would like to have equity. I would like more money. Um, and here are the reasons why I deserve it. And here are the reasons why I, I, I want it and I need it. Um, you know, being a young guy at the time, not understanding employee experience, not understanding succession planning, not understanding having one-on-one thoughtful conversations and having empathy, not understanding trying to correlate what the brand needs at an operational level and a branding and marketing level and connecting it to who we have in the company and seeing who can kind of, uh, you know, steward those things and, and, and make these things go and, and not really understanding that employees were the foundation, right? I mean, at the time I had so much arrogance connected to my, my overall DNA 
where I thought I was the main reason of why we had got the brand to where it was. But really, I looked around years later and, and, and credited this individual and credited all the other partners I had. And, and, and really, I jumped on their backs and rode that way to success, to okay. be frank. So um, to put it in a nutshell, though, um, I declined his, uh, his, his request. I did it in a very um, aggressive way at the time, uh, just due to the nature of our relationship, both being former athletes, both kind of being from the Baltimore area, young kids, kind of just, you know, ha- you know, kind of have a chip on our shoulders. Um, that, that turned into a situation where he decided to walk away. Um, and when he walked away, 30 days later, the business went to zero. Um, and he is now behind the scenes working with every single major athlete you can think of um, and is doing incredibly well. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, I clearly made a mistake there. Um, and then not only that, I really understood from that beginning that, you know, employee experience, but more importantly, really cultivating um, and understanding who, who you have within your four walls and what they can bring and inevitably what they want to do. Is a, is a strategic decision that you have to make. You have to be very thoughtful about it. You have to strip away all ego. So um, to answer your question directly and to put a bow on this story, I um, I spent uh, the the next, now it's been almost eight years, I spent the next eight years every single day, about six months post that bad thing happening to focus all of my attention around employee experience, HR, um, employee engagement, succession planning, Anything you can think of under this big umbrella of HR, I dove deep because, frankly, uh, if I hadn't have made that mistake, um, I would probably be sitting on a pretty nice size, massive business right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a very big mistake. So I've dedicated my entire life to pretty much not making that mistake again. Okay. Interesting story. So tell us what employee experience means to you. Huh. Um, what does employee experience mean to me? That's, that's actually an interesting one. That's why I pause a little bit because as I've learned more about it, I've, I've realized that employee experience for me is very much strategic and business minded and operational. And it's not as much as what a lot of people think it is, right? A lot of people think employee experience or employee engagement is uh, a thoughtful one-on-one, you know, uh, you know, bringing them into the office and making a joke and making them feel comfortable a nice Christmas card, a birthday card, you know, some internal comps, emails going out when they do something great, um, you know, a happy hour, a Christmas party. And those are, trust me, those are employee engagement, you know, opportunities and, and, and situations that you can dive into that would definitely pro- produce results and, 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 and be connected to your employer brand strategy and, and that are connected to your retention and all these things. So they're, they're great things to do, but I really thought that was the gist of it. Uh, but as I got deeper, I realized that employee experience and employee engagement for me is very much operational. I look and connect what I do at an employee experience level in a one-on-one conversation and a thoughtful, you know, in, in, in a thoughtful process of understanding succession planning in a thoughtful process of understanding inevitably where they want to go and what their skills are and, and locating the skill gaps and putting together learning and development models that are geared towards where they want to be. I very much get very operational and make sure that I connect the hearts, the minds, the spirits of the people inside the brand to where the brand inevitably wants to go long term. Mm-hmm. And I try to weave those two, uh, those two thought patterns and those two uh, perspectives into one, if that makes sense. So um, for me, employee experiences, number one, 
you know, cultivating um, a, a feeling that every day your, your people are anticipating and appreciating Monday, right? They're getting excited about Monday. They're getting excited about that week because they know the projects that they're working on, the leaders that are being, that are, that are cultivating an experience for them. It's being crafted with empathy. It's being crafted around what they see for themselves career-wise. And it's also bringing value to the brand. Um, and then, like I said, again, you know, employee experience for me also is very operational. It's very much thinking about how do we take the 70, the 80, 100, 200, 500 people that we have inside of this brand and create experience that is so pleasant, that is so exciting, that is so productive for them that they're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure this logo reaches new heights. Um, and so uh, that's a very broad understanding and a perspective of what I have. Okay. So let me let me give you a scenario. As an, as an organization and you're charted with the responsibility of dealing with employee experience, what are some of the first things that you do going into the organization to understand where you would even start to enhance or even improve the employee experience? Um, I would probably do uh, an employee experience audit. And for me, what that looks like is I try to very like, like if I'm going into an organization first day, I'm spending the next, let's say you have a company of 500 people. I'm spending, and I know this is a very unscalable action, right? I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of surveys that can do this, but I personally, personally, I'm spending the next three weeks having one-on-one 20, 20 minute conversation with every single person in the company, me personally, mm-hmm. and I'm reverse engineering who they are at a personal level, right? How they learn, how, what excites them professionally, what excites them personally, what are some, what are some fears? What are some, what are some um, misconceptions? What, what, what are, what's their perspective of the brand, the, the perspective of some of the leaders that have been leading them before I got there? Um, you know, I like to do a complete audit just to get a good pulse and a good understanding of what's actually happening in the minds of the people there. And then I like to figure out at a very professional and black and white level, where does every single person inevitably see their career going at a macro level, long term? And I start to figure out who are the, you know, who, where's the 10 to 20 percent of people that I know are going to be here longer than 18 to two, 18 months to two years? And how can we start strategically putting a lot of emphasis and focus and building a building out, you know, learning and development tools and systems and processes and thoughtful action to connect them to the greater mission of the brand. And then how can I take the other people that maybe won't be here after two or three years, but still cultivated an experience that is, that is beneficial for their career long-term so that when they are working on projects here at the company, uh, they're doing so at a very thoughtful level and they're putting a lot of intentionality towards it. Um, So we can dive in deeper if you want, but that's again, Uh, I, I could go very, I could go very micro, but I, I want to I be as brief as I can for you. Uh, so that's what I would do. That's kind of the way I look at it. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Being the expert that you are now, if you had a, if I knew then what I know now, moment, what would you say was one of the biggest mistakes that you made when you first entered into it, being this in this career? What would you say was one of the biggest mistakes? you made that you would like to help future HR professionals to learn from? I probably, I probably would have gone to, I wasn't necessarily an HR professional at the time, but I do want to use this as an example. 
I probably would have gone to my very first crack at being an entrepreneur. And the, the, the story that I told you guys in the very uh-huh. beginning, um, I would have I would have done this. Ex- actually, let me break down to you what I exactly would have done. I've actually never okay. said this on my podcast or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. What I would have done is I would have I would have taken uh, his name was Seth. I would have taken Seth out to a nice long dinner, right? I would have took him to a nice long steak dinner. We would have had a couple of drinks. Uh, we would have talked about a multitude of things that have nothing to do with the business. Um, and that's not a strategy. That's just a way of, that's just what I like to do. Right? I would have done that, right? I would have had a very personal conversation that a few drinks got very comfortable. And then towards the, the tailor end of the conversation, I would then bring up, look, I know you, I know you have some thoughts on, on what you want to do and where you want to be long-term in your career. Explain those to me. And I would just let him kind of just, you know, vomit at the mouth, if you will, of all the different ideas that he has about his long-term career and where he wants to inevitably go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would have told him this. I would have told him, look, I understand that you are connected to every single piece of this business at a very tangible level. You are the backbone of this business. Um, you are uh, someone that I very much appreciate, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that this opportunity makes sense for you and your life long term, as well as the logo. Um, and that I would have, I would have inevitably giving him a piece of the business um, because of because of the tangible, right? Because of the mm-hmm. tangible, uh, the, 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 the tangible value he was able to bring. And right. then at a personal level, at a personal level, what I would have done is I would have continued to have thoughtful conversations like that throughout the duration of our relationship, just to make sure the equity was all he wants. And I would have said, okay, is there, is, besides the money, is there anything else that you're looking for here with this opportunity um, that to, to make this the best experience for you? Um, I obviously did not do that. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a, I had a dear friend and a, and a, an entrepreneur, a, a guy that owns multiple body shops at a very high scale, uh, told me that you're crazy. If you're ever going to consider giving anyone equity in your company that has been there for less than six months, you're completely nuts. Um, and I would have ignored that, that, that entire perspective. Um, and so to put a bow on my answer, I would have dove into what I now quote and I now coin as employees first. I would have been so thoughtful and so intentional about what Seth wanted, what Seth needed financially, professionally, personally. I would have cared so much about that, more than my ego, more than what I thought, more than anything. I would have cared more about that and focused on that over a two to three hour long dinner and gave him what he wanted at a very tangible level, right? Within a reason, within a reason, obviously. Right. Um, and, 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 and I would have done that because I know for a fact that is uh, that is that is the best thing that uh, that I could have done for the brand, but more importantly, that's the best thing I could have done for him, and that also would have sent ripples, positive ripples, um, and big waves. If, I, if I'm being honest, throughout the rest of the organization, showing them that I'm willing to hear what you're saying, look at the tangible and non-tangible variables, and and provide the best experience and provide the best opportunities for you guys while you're here. That's what I would have done differently. <laughs> Okay, so as a experienced professional dealing with employee experience, what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you think we as HR professionals fall into as we dive into employee experience? Biggest pitfalls. Uh, I got one that's probably not going to be uh, a very popular one. Um, <laughs> biggest pitfalls is uh, you are focused more on pleasing your boss and doing what's right and being politically correct 
and uh, focusing on business liability more than the hearts and the spirits and the minds that, that, are, that are looking up to you for answers, looking up to you to protect them, looking up, for, looking up to you to care for them, and inevitably are making the CEO's dreams come true. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, and you know this, right? We don't, again, because this is a very con- how can I controversial. controversial, there it is, mm-hmm. uh, topic uh, in this industry, which is, yeah. you, ha- you know, I think it's 50%, right? Like for me, I see it. You have a lot of HR people on LinkedIn, on Twitter, that are, that are painting a facade mm-hmm. that make it seem as though they are very human and employee-centered. Mm-hmm. But their actual actions are more geared towards protecting their bottom line, protecting mm-hmm. their perception and their connection with their leader, with their boss, and protecting the company from a liability perspective, mm-hmm. rather than rather than doing everything they can and doing the right thing, because the right thing is always the right thing, mm-hmm. and caring about the hearts, the minds of the people that they're working for, that they're working with, and that are looking up to them. Um, so that's probably the biggest pitfall. Again, if I would love to dive down a little bit deeper, because I want to mm-hmm. hear your thoughts on this too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you would, like, let's, let's dive into this a little bit, because this is something I've been thinking actually a lot about. I think that it's very important for us to recognize the importance of people over process and people over other things. Because if we, when, we, when we help our employees to achieve their goals, we get productive employees, we get creative employees, we get innovative employees, Right. And as HR professionals, one of those big things that we tend to fall down on because we focus a lot on ticking a box, whether it be because it's on our performance appraisal or whatever the case may be, but we don't deep dive into it to the point that we help the actual employees to achieve their best. And as you said, I think it's all about being intentional. If we're not intentional about it, then this is where we always end up having the problems that we have. It's one of the reasons why I think that we lose a lot of our high-performing employees. Would you agree? I would. I would totally agree. And I, and I would all. No, I would also say this because anyone that, and you've listened to my podcast. Anyone that listens to my podcast, they know that there's two sides of of, of Anthony. Right? There's 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 an empathetic, kind, patient mm-hmm. side, and mm-hmm. then there's a little bit of an aggressive nature to me at times. One of these times. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me go back to my empathetic side. Like I very much understand, right? I very much understand if you're a VP of people right now for a company a size of 500 to a thousand people, and you're making a buck 25, you know, a year, 125,000, $150,000 a year, and you're incredibly comfortable and you have three kids and two of them are in college and one's on the way. Like I understand the dynamics that it is very difficult and very tough for you to push back against the policies and the systems and the structures that were there before you, when you know in your heart that it may not be the right thing for the people there. I know that's tough because your CEO, your CEO, whoever you're, you know, you're direct reporting to, I know it's very tough to push against what you know in your heart is right because right. of what you need in your life. And I know what to do. Um, and, and one thing that I do want to get on the record of saying more consistently, I don't want everyone to take as much of a risk as I want to take. I take a lot of risk. I will be very honest. Uh-huh. I push it to the, I push it to the limit and I will go to, I go to back. I go to back for truth. I go to back for what's right. Mm-hmm. I stand firm on doing good, right? No matter if it's the leader or if it's the employee. When a lot of people hear employees first, business second, 
they tend to think that I will always skew towards an employee, mm -hmm. right? I actually got passed up on an opportunity to be chief of staff, which, as you know, is one of the highest titles you can have within mm -hmm. an organization these days mm -hmm. because they felt that I was too employee-centered mm -hmm. and didn't have the best Interest mindset of the business. To, cover, to cover the business's back. Uh -huh. And I pushed very hard. I said, that's actually incorrect. I just go for what is right. I go mm -hmm. for truth. Mm -hmm. So if I feel the business has a policy that is in place or a system that is in place that is good for not only the business, but the people and mm -hmm. the employees don't agree with it. I will very much push against the employees as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I just want more leaders to start treating their situation, like their job and treating yeah. the people that are working for them and looking up to them, the employees that are looking up to the VP of peoples, the HR directors. Mm -hmm. I want you to treat those employees as if they're your daughter or your son. Mm -hmm. Or think of it from the lens of how would you feel if your daughter or son came home from a from a tough day at work or gave you a call and said, Mom, Dad, uh, you know, I went through a situation where this policy or this infrastructure or this workflow or this whatever the case is going to be or this leader, you know, inevitably put me in a tough spot and I'm struggling uh -huh. right now mentally. Right. You know for a fact you would want to see something different. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. As a parent, you would definitely want to see something different. And as an HR professional, you should always want what's in the best interest of your people, no matter what level in the organization you're at. And so I, I really, for me, the, the, the mantra of the Agile Manifesto, which is people over process, I've, I've always loved because, you know, an organization is made up of people, no matter where they sit in the organization, whether it's at the top or the bottom, it's people that takes to create an organization to create amazing products and services. And if you put all of those people in the same bucket and then you look for the best possible solution to keep everyone happy, then um, then you're then that's win. That's a win for everyone, right? Yep. Especially for us as HR professionals. Uh, you said something earlier that um, really resonates with me because I think a lot of people, when they think about employee engagement, they think of it in terms of, it's just the touchy-feely stuff, the good stuff, the, mm -hmm. the games, like whatever the case may be. But really and truthfully, when you think of employee engagement, it, carry, it carries many buckets to it in terms of it's giving your employees a voice. It's giving your employees freedom. And one of the things that it really touches on is creating psychological safety. What yes. would you say is one of the key things that leadership, that employee us as HR professionals can encourage leadership to do in order to create psychological safety in their teams and get people engaged. I'll give you two that are maybe not outside the box, but maybe you haven't heard this answer to this question. There's a lot of the same answers. So, for well, in me, my world, there is no box. So that's okay. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, it's okay. Psychological safety, right? So. There's a couple of things that I think of. The first thing that I like to think of as it pertains to this, this topic is I like to think about innovation and ideas. Right. I believe there are so many circumstances and instances where employees feel safe to bring up ideas because mm -hmm. there were there was a moment in time, whether it was during their first week, their first month, their first mm -hmm. year, where mm -hmm. they thought of an idea that probably wasn't a great idea because they didn't have all the context, mm -hmm. but instead of a leader being empathetic, being kind, being soft, being, uh, being, being thoughtful about their response and the way they crafted their response to that idea, mm 
They were very harsh or very direct mm-hmm. or ignored it or didn't even give it any light. Right. And, and, and that created a moment where that very talented employee that maybe just gave a, everyone has an off day, maybe just gave a bad idea or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe jumped out too quickly because they didn't have all the context, right. context now feels, now feels small. Uh-huh. Now feels uh, like maybe, maybe, what's that? Deflated. Yep, deflated. Or maybe they don't have as as uh, you know as many good ideas as they thought they did. So right. that's one thing, right? So I guess so, so that's the issue. What a leader should do in that scenario is mm-hmm. if you do hear any idea, like there's, you know, with E1B2 brands, which I told you is like my next venture um, that I'm going to be trying to create here. Um, I'm actually creating what is what is called the E1B2 OS, the mm-hmm. operating system. What's going to be the employee experience structure, the policies, the framework that's going to hold this all together? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one thing there, which is any idea that's brought up in a meeting that we have, an email they send over, a text, me and the other executives on the team, we're going to we're going to stir those ideas into this document. And once a month, we're going to revisit all the ideas. And, any, and we're going to write the names of whoever put those ideas there. Any idea that we didn't get to or didn't get acted on, we're going to send a very thoughtful email of the, the pros, the cons of the idea, flush out how the idea could potentially work, you know, flush out, you know, ask a, a, a few questions of the employee of what prompted that idea and just engage with that person. Let them know, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. And I mm-hmm. understand where this is coming from. This mm-hmm. may not be the best idea for us right now, but I wanted to reach out to you to let you know that we're going to pull some silver linings from this. And I want you to keep sending this. I want you to keep it up. I want you to keep, you know, that persistent nature about you when you're generating these ideas. Right. Um, so again, that's just, that's the problem. And then that's, I just tried to give you guys an off the, off the cuff example of, something that I have done and something I'm, I'm going to continue to do, which is uh-huh. um, I don't want to forget about these ideas that are coming up, but more importantly, I want to recognize uh, an idea that comes across because I know if I answer it and I'm, and I'm thoughtful about it, it right. will create a psychological safety that I know will produce right. dividends long-term. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very important because if we don't create the psychological safety we don't get the creativity we don't get the innovation and so putting those ideas that you've just given us into practice would definitely help us in creating um, those spaces and being able to have those kind of conversations with our leadership that then creates better teams and better leaders can, so I, can me, I give you one more uh-huh. um, and this is this is like very tactical and operational uh-huh. um money right Mm-hmm. This is actually a conversation no one really wants to talk about too often mm-hmm. either. Um, money, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys, now anyone that listens to this podcast, take what I'm saying and figure out how you can make it work for you. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example of what I mean by money. Like we need to understand and respect that no matter what industry we're in, money is going to be an, a, 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 money is going to be an issue or not an issue for people. And when it's an issue, it creates anxiety. It, it creates it creates a threat response to the mind at a very real level that 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 cuts down their lack. You know that 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 triggers a lack of innovation, triggers a lack of productivity. Their mind's going to very much be on so many other things and not on the project and the task at hand. So to avoid that being the case, what another thing that I think can create psychological safety is making sure you guys as a brand. Mm-hmm. are doing as much as you can 
from a marketing and a branding and product innovation standpoint to continue to generate a lot of money from your PL, like 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 operationally making sure that that your cash reserves, your, your cash flow, like your business is at a good enough and a healthy enough level so that when you can look at your staff of 200 or 500 or 1,000, you can make sure you look across the board and make sure people are taken care of financially based off of what they need at an individual level. Mm -hmm. Obviously, based off of some of the research you do in your city, in your town, in the state, and the area, you know, because people in New York are going to get paid differently than people in California, than people in Arkansas, than people where you live, right? So you got to do that research, and there's ways to do that, obviously. But sure that you're being thoughtful about having conversations with your people around what they need financially and mm-hmm. not having that be an uncomfortable conversation, having that be a proactive conversation. And then once you learn and, and retrieve and extract that data, then go back to your P, uh, then go back to your PR, your marketing team, your product team, whoever, you know, obviously the executives sitting, uh, sitting at the table and make sure that you guys are doing everything in your power to make the business healthy and strong so that you can provide and, and pay your people what you inevitably want to pay. Um, uh, that's, that's something, that's something to think about as well. I know that's pretty, that's not rocket science, but I'm sure you would agree. Yeah. You'd be very surprised how many brands are missing the mark on that and not being thoughtful about how to make sure they keep pushing the limit to, to pay people what they deserve. I definitely agree with that. And I think a lot of our audience would agree with it as well. And it's a very interesting question. Um, conversation that needs to be had and like you said I think a lot of people um, shy away from it but it really is a conversation that we need to have especially for us in the Caribbean because that's one thing that's not um, transparent hey money it's not transparent at all in the Caribbean and so that's something that we definitely need to shift away from transparency is everything and I've learned so many books, so many articles I've read, um, and all say the same thing in terms of transparency. When you are transparent, you take all the misconceptions, misunderstandings that can possibly happen within an organization away. It lifts and makes people feel free and gives people the opportunity to just focus on the work at hand because there's no ambiguity. There's actually a company called um, Buffer. I think it's Buffer. So Buffer is, they actually create a scheduling system where you can go and create your social media content and um, schedule it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffer actually has on their website all of their employee salaries. So if you wanted to work, whether you work at Buffer or not, you can go on their website and you can see what every employee from the CEO to the to the developer, to the janitor makes within that organization. They've just completely taken that off the table. And the employees actually have a say in what they make. Now, how's that for transparency? I love that. I love that. Absolutely. And you know, one more final thing on that note too. Now, this is going to be very, one thing that I've realized, and my operations director, Naya, always tells me this. He says, Mm -hmm. Anthony, we're building a company and you're very much a leader that does not exist yet. He all, he often calls mm-hmm. me, you're in 2030, mm-hmm. right? You're in 2030. Like mm-hmm. you're living in a world that does not yet exist and you're trying not to ready it. for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you know, one thing, one thing that I think I would like leaders to do more is don't, don't assume 
Don't assume or, or, or tell people what they should get paid. So this is a very progressive thought. Now I'm going to freak people out probably, but I, I, I am going to do this with my company. I'm already doing this um, with the very few people that I have that are getting ready to work for me. And then I'm going to make sure that I always do this in my career mm-hmm. and try to drive brands to do this. If you have a small enough team of less, you really can probably only pull this off if you have a team of like, do you have any people that are listening to this podcast that maybe have teams of like 250 or under? Mm-hmm. Probably, I'm sure. Definitely. Have one-on-one conversations or send out a survey, something, but probably one-on-one conversations. Figure out what someone actually needs. Like, don't assume, don't assume that 68,000 is going to take care of their family. Mm-hmm. Don't assume. Have actual conversations. Figure out what each and every person needs. And we're just talking about needs, right? Rent, mm-hmm. savings, mm-hmm. food, you mm-hmm. know, understand the dynamics of who they are at, at an individual level. And then start to flush out as best you can paying people based off of their, their personal reality rather than what other industries are doing. Don't right. worry about what any other company is doing. Worry about what's going to be best for your people, mm-hmm. right? My, I, I, when, when I came up with this idea, my mom was like, this is what I used to always tell you growing up, son. You worry about Anthony. Don't worry about Derek. Don't worry about Sally. Don't worry about Susan. Worry about Anthony. Mm-hmm. That's what I think more brands need to do. Worry about what you need to do for your people and what your people deserve. Mm-hmm. Just because Sarah over there at, let's call Buffer, is making 84000 mm-hmm. with two kids with 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 no college debt and no significant situations happening in our family so that 84,000 is taken care of doesn't mean that 84,000 for your Karen is enough maybe Karen has her mother that's there that she needs to take care of Mm -hmm. or her kid has a significant you know disease or some sort of mental illness or something that there needs to be more money in the system to try to take care of her lifestyle you don't know the Mm -hmm. dynamics right so totally um, mind-blowing though yeah so yeah I know that's progressive but I it Mm -hmm. really when I came to this industry, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, Julia, like that was the first thing that hit me is like, who comes up with these numbers? Like, mm-hmm. where are you guys getting that 45,000 is enough for me? Mm-hmm. Who, who told you that? Like, that was yeah. the biggest question I had coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Cause I know that's really progressive and it's probably not yeah. going to happen for a while here, but. I believe that that is definitely progressive and I'm just trying to recuperate from what you just said because it is completely mind-blowing now not that I haven't thought of that myself in terms of you know where do those numbers come from how do we get to those numbers how who determines that it's an industry standard who determines that the HR is the lowest paid person in the organization who determines that who determines that for any position within an organization? And those are things that I myself have grappled with as a professional throughout the years. But I do agree that as time progresses, and, and I think that things like COVID-19 are going to force it to happen, where we have now been forced as HR professionals to become more forward-thinking, to be more than ever before out of the box. As a matter of fact, as I said, I don't believe there is a box. I don't even know who came up with think outside the box because as far as I was concerned, all my life, there never was a box. So in terms of getting to that stage where you determine what people's needs are and, and you say, you know, what is your number and call it confidently and own that, 
as a matter of fact, there's a lady who I follow on social media, very um, strong, confident woman by the name of Dr. Terry Carell Reed. And she's from Jamaica. And she got her, her doctorate as a, as a doctor of veterinarian services. However, she went on further down in her life. That's not what she does now. Right now, she is a social media whiz. But one of the things that she said in, in one of her many talks that she has with people, she said, call your number and call it confidently. And when people say, okay, I'm not, I can't pay that right now, then say, okay, well, talk to me when you can. And that's very similar to what you're saying here in terms of, you know, being able to, to call your number or ask for your number, but be confident and own that that is your number and somebody will pay if they want your services enough. Yeah. I yeah. believe that that's, the, that's where the future of work will take us. And as HR professionals, are we ready for that? No, because there are so many people who are gasping at what we're talking about right now. And you know, another thing too, that I want, I want leaders to start thinking about as well, ask yourself where these perspectives came from. So Mm -hmm. I'm really deep into psychology, three hours, three hours a week. I dive into organizational psychology, industrial psychology. I like to go back to the origin story of where a lot of these things come from. Right. Uh So ask yourself, right. If you're a 45 year old executive right now, HR director, recruiter, um, you know, uh, diversity and inclusion, like whatever department you're in, right? Employee Mm -hmm. experience manager, whatever the case is, ask yourself, where do you have these thoughts from? Like, 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 like at a very psychological level, like just just take 30 minutes and ask yourself, where did this come from? Who Mm -hmm. taught me this? Mm -hmm. Who said this was the right way to go? Mm -hmm. Right. And then you'll probably start giving yourself a few answers. You'll probably say, okay, my first three jobs in the HR people and the way they, they, the way they led me or the way that, they onboarded me or some of the mm-hmm. bosses that were there. Okay, mm-hmm. bingo. That's there. Okay, go a little bit further back. Then you'll probably think about, okay, the stories I heard over over the dinner table from my dad when he was complaining about work or the things that I heard from my mom during my first internship and things that she told. Like, like you have to reverse engineer yeah. where your thoughts came from. Mm-hmm. And then you need to say to yourself, okay, as I'm replaying these scenarios and replaying these things in my head, what mm-hmm. genuinely in my heart feels right? Mm-hmm. What feels true? Mm-hmm. That's that's where I sit, and that's where the hell out of leaders that I work for mm-hmm. is I don't care about what you learned previously. I'm yeah. worrying about the present and the now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. worrying about doing the right thing. Um I'm going to stop because I'm probably going to start freaking out right now in your pocket. So I'm not going to do that. But, but you know, uh, you're, you're taking me to the point where um, I know for a lot, especially recently, a lot of times you hear, especially in terms of the future of work, HR has to unlearn and relearn mm-hmm. and upskill in our thinking, in our processes, in our procedures, because we really are not preparing ourselves or we're not prepared for what the future workforce has is coming with. And I think I said this in a conversation with someone earlier today, in terms of, yes, there's a lot of negative that has come out of COVID-19, but there's also a lot of positive that has come out of COVID-19. And one of the positives that's come out of it is 
for HR professionals, this is an opportunity to show up and show out. So what you have put on the table for us today definitely is food for thought as it comes to employee experience, but we got to move on. So tell us, Anthony, what you are reading right now as a professional in your forte of experience. What are you reading right now, listening to, um, watching that you believe other HR professionals should be engaged in? Not reading so much. Um, I suffer from severe ADD. Um, Uh So it's very tough for me to to, to consume. First of all, it's very tough for me to read. Uh Um, I can actually read the words, but like, you know, take what I'm reading and then internalize and understand it and be able to Mm -hmm. regurgitate it back to you is very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. So I listen to a lot of different things. So I will actually open my podcast right now and give you the truth. I want to go real time. Um, I listen to a podcast called Rework uh, mm-hmm. from uh, Jason Freed, who mm-hmm. is, he was supposed to be on my podcast like four months ago, mm-hmm. an amazing founder uh, of a company called Basecamp. Uh, it's a product mm-hmm. that a lot of companies use. Jason Freed is a pioneer at work when it comes to just practical, common sense employee experience. Mm-hmm. He creates, like, for example, I'll give you one thing he has. He has, this goes back to the money thing. He has a base pay model so he doesn't have too many people that works for him he only has about 75 people mm-hmm. but no human being inside of his company makes under um makes under seventy five thousand dollars, or makes under what is what is the top 10 percent salary for their position in their state or city so first of all the bottom line is seventy five thousand. no human right. being makes under that Right. So his executive assistant makes seventy five thousand. His mm-hmm. uh, a, a PR like whoever, no one mm-hmm. makes under that, and right. then it goes up from there. And then he he and, he and he is very thoughtful about doing the research in the cities and seeing what's happening there. And so, right. um, I like that podcast. And then he also goes deep into like product, and it keeps me sharp from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you one more. There's a there's a podcast called Brave New Work. Um, right. I they focus. You mm-hmm. know about that. Yes, I listened to that. Perfect. From, from the consultancy, they're ready. Yeah. Um, they, they, that's where I got the idea from the OS from. And that's, you know, I started implementing that about two and a half, three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. We're from an employee experience lens. You can literally create the OS, the operating system that your organization from an employee experience lens will be ran on, right? So you think about the core essence and the hearts and the minds of what you want to do from an employee experience lens, and uh-huh. then you build it into the OS, you build it into your policy, you build it into your workforce development strategies, you build it into your, your, your recruiting, you build it into all the traditional HR things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love their podcast. And again, you know about them as well. So I love their podcast. Uh, so those are two that I have been listening to recently. Awesome. So tell us what is one of the biggest misconceptions about the HR profession that really gets under your skin that you want to set the record straight on? It's actually a true misconception sometimes, but it's not the case all the time. So the biggest uh-huh. misconception is that HR people don't know business. They just know people or or, or they just know process, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the very traditional, if you look at the very traditional day-to-day workflow of an HR executive, mm-hmm. they are very much doing process right they're doing tactic after tactic after tool after tool they're doing a lot of things that are very structured by the book um yeah that 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 it's very plug and play right there's there's a lot of 
there's a lack of strategy. That's that's the, the the conception of a lot of leaders in this space, right? A lot of people say, oh, they're just they're just in the HR department. They don't know branding. They don't know marketing. They don't know communications. They don't know mm-hmm. operations. They, they don't mm-hmm. they don't need to be in these conversations. Um, that is a true misconception for a lot of people, unfortunately. But there are also people like I'm sure yourself, me personally, like I look at myself as a hybrid. Right. Um, I. I've started two brands, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have, I'm, I'm currently advising five brands. I've advised over a hundred brands in my life. I have built my own personal brand and done certain things. I know what I'm talking about here, sir. Um, um, you know, I can help you out um, mm-hmm. in, in, in marketing conversations, in branding conversations, in operations conversations. Um, and I think that's the biggest, biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. And on the flip of that, if that is a truth for you, like if, like if that misconception, if you're an HR person right now listening and you know that misconception is actually correlated to something that is true about you, then mm-hmm. I would say that put your tail between your legs and go and be humble enough to go to the branding department, go to the operations department, go to the marketing department, go to the communicate, like, like dive in and be an intern for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. learn their lingo, learn what's yeah. happening, understand what's, what's going on in this space. Yes. Um, st- start your own blog start your own podcast start your own side hustle from scratch just to mm-hmm. understand what mm-hmm. your ceo went through um yes. so that when you have an employee from that department that's coming to you for guidance you can have a thoughtful conversation and not just talk about the emotional aspects of it you can maybe give them a tactic or two that they can walk away with because they had that emotional glue and that trust with you that yes. they can then go and impress their leader and say, oh, wow, I don't know where you got that from. Well, mm-hmm. Karen in HR gave me that tip and that tactic. Yes. Um, so that's, I don't know if that's helpful, but. That's definitely, I'm sure that the audience are going to appreciate um, this information that you're sharing. You're dropping some serious nuggets here that I think are for, very forward thinking and, I, and it is definitely appreciated. So tell us what's next for Anthony Vaughn. What's next is hopefully some collaborations with me and you. I like ah. you. I like I like your mindset. Um, so hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully, for a fact, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring you onto the E1B2 podcast. I know that to be true. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and then hopefully some collaborations. But um, outside of that, um, you know, I, I will be spending the next two years jumping back into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it one more crack. Uh, I'm starting this thing called E1B2 Brands. Um, right. It's not starting, I already am doing it, which is a holding company that is going to house a multitude of different brands, products, and services centralized around employee experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have five companies right now we're advising for. Um, mm-hmm. Another one that we're, we're starting to be like a consulting uh, collaboration partner with, some mm-hmm. other collaborative projects on the, on, in the works. So mm-hmm. um, my goal, though, my goal, honestly, is to shake up this industry um, from the other lens. I'm not trying to shake up the minds of the HR people, though right. I do want to help them out. Right. I want to shake up the minds of the other individuals at the executive level in the departments. Um, uh-huh. You want to know something else I want to do? If you're starting, if you and you know this, uh-huh. if you look into like California or New York or Chicago, a lot of what we're talking about is actually happening in happening. a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. But you know where it's not happening? It's not happening in 80% of the rest of the world in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not happening in a small town where you live. It's not mm-hmm. happening in a small town right here where I'm living. Mm-hmm. It's not happening in a small town in Idaho. Right. So I want this 
conversation of HR employee experience, E1B2, I want these conversations to be so normal and mm-hmm. so exciting mm-hmm. that anywhere an employee goes, yes. they're being led with this mindset, not mm-hmm. just the big cities um, and the big hubs. You know yes. what I mean? Yes, I definitely know what you mean. I agree. And I feel like it's long overdue. And I look forward to seeing what you are going to um, bring forth over the coming months and years to come. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode today, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Tell the people where they can find you on social media. Um, I actually need to start learning my tags. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you can find me at Anthony Vaughn. Anthony, obviously you guys probably know how to spell that. Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N on LinkedIn. Just mm-hmm. look it up. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I believe at E1B210, I want to say. Yes. That's the, that's the uh, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, those are the two places. places. And then obviously, right. uh, I have the podcast, the, the E1B2 mm-hmm. podcast, um, right. which you will be on very soon here. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today, Anthony. We look forward to seeing amazing things and hearing amazing things from you. And we look forward to having you again in the sound booth at some time in the future. So thanks again. Thank you so much, Julie. I'm excited to come back. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.